Welcome to the CFI Podcast, hosted by Canadian Forest Industries Magazine, Canada's leading national logging and solid wood products magazine since 1881. You've tuned in to hear compelling conversations on hot topics and trends in the logging and wood products industries with experts from across Canada. This episode of the CFI Podcast is sponsored by John Deere. To find success in the forest, you can wait for the perfect set of conditions or give yourself every advantage to create your own. As the worldwide leader in forestry, John Deere is best positioned to give loggers an advantage through comprehensive machines, innovative technology, captive financing, and dependable support. The obstacles to success are many. Outrun them all with the number one company in the woods, John Deere, a proud supporter of women in forestry. Hi everyone, welcome to the second episode of the CFI Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Cools, Associate Editor of Canadian Forest Industries Magazine. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're speaking with Tanya Wick, Vice President of People and Services at Tolco Industries. You may recognize her name. For almost a year now, she has been writing articles for CFI as part of a blog series about women in the forestry workforce. The winner of the first ever FPAC Women in Forestry Award of Excellence, Tanya is passionate about creating and fostering a diverse and inclusive workplace. She spearheaded the development of Toco's Community Investment Strategy and the company's Diversity and Inclusion, or DNI, strategy, and is a member of the Gender Equality and Forestry Steering Committee. She also visits other forestry companies to teach them about the importance of gender diversity hiring. Now she's taking the time to talk with us about her experience advocating for women in forestry, the importance of gender diversity hiring practices, advice for women looking to get into the industry, and more. So Tanya, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I want to start off by asking uh, what brought you into the forest sector and what was your experience when you first started? Well, I made the move to Tolco because it was a brand new executive role for the company. And I was excited for the challenges to build a full people strategy, to build a new team and to be the first female VP in their 60 year history. Mm -hmm. Uh, So had you had any experience in the industry before then? No, I did not. It was brand new for me. Okay. So in your role as Vice President of People and Services, uh, you've helped introduce initiatives at Tolco to address gender disparity in the industry. So can you talk a bit about these initiatives? Sure. We started our journey by looking at our workforce planning numbers. Before jumping into solutions, we wanted to understand our current environment. The metrics showed us that we need to focus in on some key groups. In 2012, we developed our youth strategy, which was our first generational strategy. We started partnerships with colleges and universities, and we looked at our supports for our summer students and young employees. We started seeing some good progress, so we looked to do more. In 2014, we started focusing on improving our Indigenous representation. Then in 2016, we began looking at gender. We did a full survey of all of our women employees, which provided us with some foundational information to begin creating initiatives. Some of those initiatives included the development of a steering committee to help support the gender strategy. This has now been expanded to support all of our DNI strategies. We have specific training around women around leadership and a specific women's mentorship program. And we have regular blogs and a creation of a process for asking questions or raising concerns in the form of direct access to myself. The key in all of our work that we've been doing has been about not making any others wrong, but about changing process and behaviors to be more inclusive. That sounds great. So you're kind of a well-known advocate for women in forestry now. Why did this become a priority for you? 
I'm always surprised when I hear that I'm an advocate in the industry because it certainly <laughs> wasn't uh, what I started out to do. So I think it's probably pretty um, pretty simple. During my career, there were some really tough times. I had come into the industry, um, as I mentioned earlier, as the only female VP in the company's history. And I can honestly say that I found it very difficult to find my voice in a team of not only all men, but men with years of experience in the industry, again, where I had none. And mm -hmm. it's not that the other members of the leadership team made it purposefully difficult for me, but there were certainly some adjusting to do. And then over time, I found my voice and I gained their support. And it was then that I decided to pave the way for other women in the industry. So my priority has always been simply to make it easier for others. You also go to other companies in the industry to teach them about the importance of gender diversity hiring. Uh, what made you want to do this? On a number of occasions, we've been asked by other companies from the industry and otherwise to share what we're doing in the diversity and inclusion space. We made the decision to openly share our programs. I believe in having a diverse workforce and inclusive culture is not only in the best interest of TOCO, but that it's critical to the sustainability of the industry. But I want a TOCO to be the pace setter, the pace setter in ensuring that our industry is seen as a career option for women and other diverse candidates. Yeah, that's definitely important in today's industry. Uh, is there an experience that stands out to you when you went to one of these companies? One experience that stands out for me is my presentation on the topic about stomping on eggshells at the Association of BC Forest Professionals last year. I was quite nervous about presenting and spent a bit of time preparing. It was the first time I had formally spoken on the topic. After my presentation was finished, there was a lineup of people waiting to speak with me. I was there for an extra hour, listening to stories from both men and women, especially young women in our industry. The amount of support for the work we were doing on DNI was impressive, and it left me knowing that this work was making a difference. That's great to hear. Uh, so what do you regularly hear from the women you speak with? I can speak to this from my company's insights and the surveys that we've done and the conversations that I've had with the women in our company. From the women, I hear comments about lack of confidence and wondering if they're providing value. The training that we've developed for women addresses building confidence and resilience, developing leadership skills, and understanding how to network and influence. So um, what's one story that stands out to you in particular? It was a meeting between our executive leadership team and external lenders. No spouses were included at this event, and yet I was mistaken by one of the male lenders for a spouse of one of the other VPs. Hmm. To this individual, it was more likely that I was the only spouse at a non-spouse event than I was an executive in a forest company. So I fell back on my humor to address the situation in a positive way. And that really taught me that it was important that we push for change without alienating others, and that it was a particular important important to do that in a male-dominated work environment where we really needed those men to be our allies. And when you uh, talk to men about diversity in the workplace, um, what do you often hear from them? You know, for, first for this, I, what I want to do is a big shout out to my CEO and my peers and the board of TOCO because I've received a great amount of support from all of them and really appreciate that. The most common comment I hear from men within the organization is that they feel they're being excluded. So this gives me a chance to remind them that we aren't excluding them, but rather that we're making a conscious effort to include everyone else, those who have not been necessarily included in the past, 
And I remind them that diversity will increase our profitability, our innovation and decision-making, and that results in approved success for the company, the industry, and for them. I think it's it's key that um, everyone understands that these types of initiatives are meant to uh, include everyone and not exclude anyone, just to just ensure that everyone does feel like their voices are being heard. Definitely, 100%. Um, so as you know, there are multiple initiatives in the industry to address gender diversity. Um, the Canadian Institute of Forestry's Gender Equality and Action Plan was launched uh, late last year, and FPAC has a Take Your Place campaign. Uh, what are your thoughts on initiatives such as these? I think they're great. In fact, the Forest Product Association's Take Your Place campaign came through a program uh, TOCO led about a year before, and so we had started a small program with some of our competitors, a joint effort, and it went uh, really, really well, and then FPAC agreed to take that over on a national level. I believe that those initiatives provide value to our industry on that national level, and they do that in a few ways. So first, the desire to change starts by building awareness, and the more ways that we can build gender e equity understanding, the better. Second, I think it's important that that same message comes from many sources in many forms. It makes it harder to ignore. And finally, it's apparent that diversity and inclusion is no longer a nice to have. It's not a box to tick. It requires commitment and it can't be accomplished in a single conversation. We need to be addressing it at all levels, the individual, the company, and the industry, and that's what these national initiatives are doing. Yeah, it's great to see all of this work that's being done by the industry, and uh, at least on social media, everyone's always very excited to hear about how women in the industry are becoming um, more involved and better represented. Speaking of the uh, Gender Equality and Action Plan, you're on the steering committee for this initiative. So can you uh, kind of share what stage the plan is at now and what's been accomplished so far? The big pieces that I want to point out first about this project that I believe is really driving change is that it's structured in a way that's not previously done before. So there's public representation, private company representation, not-for-profit, educational institutes, and Indigenous representation. So it's a great, well-rounded group, and it's actually supported by both public and private funding. To date, we've created a framework in basically three main pillars. We've done a gap analysis of best practices of gender equality, and the committee has identified some actions that include a resistance strategy and a toolkit for engaging men as allies. The committee is working on a branding strategy that will focus on making the forest sector more welcoming to women. And the final area is bringing together data on women in the sector and to analyze that data to identify gaps and pursue actions that focus on increasing the number of women in the forest sector. The project is expected to wrap up in April 2021. However, we've been getting some early indications that the government is suggesting this project may continue for another two years because of the way that we're taking action and moving forward. So it's been very positive. Yeah, that would be um, amazing if it continues for another few years. Uh, I think any of these initiatives, they should be long-term and should be um, very interesting to see what the data reports. There's also a uh, report on gender diversity in forestry from the business law firm Osler. It came out a couple of months ago. Uh, it suggests that a cultural shift may be underway. So what changes have you seen in the industry in the past five to 10 years? When I started in industry, there was little discussion about people in general. Now, when I attend committee or business meetings, people are in the front of the discussions. So it's the conversations. More people are aware of the need for this shift and the change is coming from conversations with one 
person at a time. For example, we have people looking at invites to training sessions and asking, why are there no women in this session? Which initiates a conversation. It may be quite reasonable that there are no women in that particular training, but that conversation itself is raising awareness. Yeah, that's very important. The report also said our industry is unique because stories about women pioneers are told by women currently in their early and mid stages of their careers. So in what areas do you think women in the industry need more support? Well, for support, there are a few areas we at TOCO have been initially focused on that are outside that leadership training program and that we've been doing. A couple examples is in one of our remote communities, we financed a feasibility study regarding extended hours for childcare. This is a real issue for women and families who work shifts. And we included other companies in the community that were outside of our industry, like the local hospital that also works shifts because we believe in supporting the community as well. We also developed a robust paternity support program, which includes communication throughout the leave, as well as a onboarding program when the parent returns. A lot can happen in the workplace during a 12 to 18 month leave. So on return, employees may face new tech technology, new managers, new coworkers, changes in job duties, and much more. We wanted to ensure employees were supported when they returned to work through a successful reintegration into the workplace. And we also found through a study by Catalyst that women who had mentors through a formal program receive about 50% more promotions. So in 2019, we kicked off our mentorship program with 12 pairs. Mentees were all women with the mentors being men and women. And in all cases, the relationship continued after the formal program was completed. And so we're really uh, pleased to that. We hear mentors sharing their stories and their learnings, and they're sharing what they understand as challenges that women face. And so we're creating more and more advocates and having more and more conversations along the way. So are there any other ways you think we can uh, continue to ensure their stories are being told? We keep telling them in a number of ways. We bring them up in every part of our people strategy as we go. And that's one way our diversity and inclusion initiatives have been successful. They're just part of our people strategy. So we share examples of struggles or challenges that women may have in the workplace. And what we see is their managers and others, which is mostly male dominated, stop and go, oh, we had an unconscious bias. We didn't realize that. So an example that I've always used is they were looking at training and promotions for certain areas and went, well, we don't want to look at that woman. That woman, she probably doesn't want it. She has young children at home. She probably can't travel. She probably can't attend that training. And what we've been coaching everybody is, you're right. They might not, but that's not your decision to make. Give them the option. And are you asking that of them, of your male employees as well? And so really a lot of awareness is going on in the organization. Performance reviews, um, salary offers, all of that. We just build it into all of our programs. Yeah, that's a really interesting example, actually, that men might make assumptions about women, but because they have young children, I think that's a very common thing across all industries, but especially forestry. Yeah, the presentation I provided at the association um, last year, it was all about those stomping on eggshells that I mentioned, and it was five myths that happen in the workplace. And uh, that was really eye-opener for a lot of the men in the audience, just things that they just don't consciously think of. Mm -hmm. So what do you think still needs to be done to to encourage greater gender diversity in the industry? I think that you can formally review programs and policies, but if your DNI initiative ends at updating those policies to have gender neutral language or just to have posters on the wall, we won't create the real change we need. What we need now is to translate all of that knowledge of the benefits of diversity and inclusion into execution. 
it's time to go beyond the awareness and to take action. So if I had to choose one root cause to continue the efforts, it would be around that unconscious bias I spoke of. As employers, we all need to train our managers about this. We can't make changes personally or to our culture without first being aware of how that unconscious bias creeps into all of our behaviors on a daily basis. And then when we have this knowledge, everyone needs to use their voice to challenge the status quo and to take action. It's really easy, and you hear this all the time, to do what we've always done. So it's important to challenge ourselves to do things differently. And what I ask of the management staff here at TOCO is to ask for an opinion or consider who to include in a project that's outside your go-to circle, right? We're all comfortable with certain people. We all know who those people are in our group. Intentionally ask ourselves about the choice we've been making for promotions. Have we been given people adequate consideration, like the example I give earlier, and really just challenge our assumptions as we go forward in all of these people management practices. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what gaps would you say there still are in um, existing policies and programs? You know, that's hard to speak to as an industry because every company has their own policies and programs. We've done a very holistic review of all of our existing policies, programs and services, right from recruiting and looking at pay equity in all of our our promotions and salaries, and, and then we look at our succession. So I don't believe we have any gaps within the policies, and we're still working on a few of our programs, as I mentioned, things about um, family supports, et cetera. It is really about now that raising awareness about all those unconscious bias areas that creep into things like performance reviews. So studies have shown that women will get 80% more subjective feedback in a performance review than objective feedback, which male get. So we want to start um, decreasing that. They talk mm -hmm. about how much time uh, single mothers get off versus single fathers maybe getting off time or or fathers that are in a in a relationship, they get more time off of work. And so there's all these studies that we need to just continue to make aware in our actions versus in our policies. Yeah, that's really interesting. I have never heard that statistic before, but kind of surprises me and kind of doesn't at the same time. You'll have to come to one of my presentations. You'll, yeah. I think a lot of people were surprised. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear one of your presentations. So for women who are looking to get into the industry, what advice do you have for them? Patience. Um, my advice is that it's going to take time to make a shift this big. Mm -hmm. So we all need to take part and own the outcome. What I ask all of the women in our industry is consider what part you're going to play. And it's going to be different. People have different personalities and they're in different roles, but you need to play a part if you want it to change. Educate yourself on how to prepare for and counteract bias and to have those conversations. Be an upstander support each other and drive your own career. Often see women waiting for somebody to tap them on the shoulder for that opportunity. So don't wait for someone else to see your value or decide your career. And then I would say, finally, take stock of your confidence level. And we talked about this earlier. This is a real um, worst enemy of a lot of the women that I've spoken to. Find ways to build your confidence level. We all have those confidence issues. We were talking at the beginning of the podcast. This was my first podcast and I was quite nervous about it, but you prepare and you get yourself ready for it and you step out. So don't let lack of confidence get in your way. Step up and be courageous. There's Absolutely. Really no risk to it. 
Yeah, yeah, I can say personally, I'm not very comfortable doing public speaking or knowing that someone's going to be listening to my conversation. So I just had to kind of build up the confidence to be able to do things like this podcast. Yeah, lead the way, show by example. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're doing Uh, wonderful. Thanks. (laughs) For women who are already in the industry, um, what advice do you have for them if they're looking to get into higher level positions? If you see a job in the industry you're interested in, apply. So again, going back to the research that we were looking at, it shows that women only apply for jobs when they feel close to meeting 100% of the criteria. There is no candidate, you know, and I'm in human resources, that ever meets 100% of the criteria. And men will apply if they meet far less. And so even at that point, if, if someone's sitting down, they may be getting 20 resumes from men and one from a woman. So you need to apply. You need to set that out there and show that you're interested. That's going to consciously change your pattern. And the other mm-hmm. thing is, if you're interested in moving up, talk to your bosses, talk to those, um, your peers, talk to managers in other areas, understand what that job entails, and perhaps ask for a sponsor. They mentioned mentorship has proven that 50% of women are more likely to get promotions if they have a mentor. So seek out a mentor or seek out a sponsor. I had a great sponsor when I came to Toko. He's a peer. He's still here. But he sponsored me for jobs that now my portfolio has expanded in areas I actually didn't even think they would consider giving to me. And I've taken on a bigger role at Toko because of that. And he sponsored me in that. He And he supports me in that. He actually came and became my mentor at some of the meetings so that I could learn that area. Yeah, I think for uh, a lot of people and women in particular, they think if they, if they do the job to the best of their abilities, but they don't like go looking for a new opportunity or ask for help, they'll still get the recognition they deserve. But it is a, a lot of it is about asking for help and for um, mentorship. Yeah, it is. And there, people aren't purposefully not recognizing it. They're busy. Everyone's really, really busy. And so you need to step up and take ownership of your career and say where you want to go. And if you don't know, how does anybody else around you know? So need to understand what the opportunities are, do some research, and then bring that forth to your your supervisor, your manager, at your performance reviews, and arrange development discussions. Have Mm -hmm. informal 360s to talk about what your strengths are, where do people see some of your opportunities for learning, or self-awareness is a great tool to build confidence. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to gender diversity practices, as you mentioned earlier, uh, it's kind of important to let men know how they can help or be involved. So what do you want men to take away from diversity programs? When I started this work, I did a lot of research. So I won't bore you with the overwhelming amount of data, but to say that we all know that businesses with a diverse workforce are more successful and that everyone benefits from programs that are inclusive. What Mm -hmm. I believe where men can really make a difference is to be active allies and advocates and sponsors for gender equality. This is important in all areas of life, but especially important in the male-dominated industry that is ours. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, So do you have any advice uh, specifically for men in the industry? Again, if you're in a management position, reach out to your women employees and ensure you're having time to speak about their development Don't expect them to come to you. Uh, Encourage them to apply for other roles. Discuss performance reviews that are objective, not subjective. So stay away from things like you're too emotional. Those tend to be that. If you see in a meeting, a woman is often sometimes spoken over 
or her issues aren't addressed, take the time to stop that meeting or say, I would like to you know, address Ellen's comments. Um, this is a great idea, Ellen, provide some recognition in those meetings and just make a conscious effort to do some of those things. Our group has done things is why do we have a certain structure and training, for example, in our forestry area? Do they need to go to the, do people need to be in the office and then in the field, can they go to the field and then be in the office? And the reason we looked at that was as people were moving their career and being out in the field, that's right about the time, both for men and women, that they were having children. And so it was making children, childcare efforts difficult. And so can we switch around that development? What, why were we doing that development at that time in that way? And they're like, sure. So ask the questions on how we can support them with childcare issues and both men and women in this case as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really important. So looking at the next ten, uh, five to 10 years, where do you expect the industry to be with regards to gender diversity? It's a great question and I'm not sure I've thought that far out, but with the amount of attention on gender equality and diversity and inclusion in general, it will be hard to ignore. So I think change is guaranteed. It's really a matter of the pace of change rather than whether or not it will happen. For us at Tolco, the change is going to come from our company values. We're helping all of our employees to understand the linkage between diversity and inclusion and living each of the company values. Most specifically, we are treating each other with respect, which is one of our values and is the foundation for an inclusive workforce. If everyone behaves from a place of respect, I believe the industry will be a place where every employee feels like they belong and that's going to be the future. Mm -hmm. It would be a great thing and um, respect is definitely key as we move forward. So Tanya, thanks again for joining us at the CFI podcast and sharing your story and passion for diversity and inclusivity in the forest industry. Thank you for including me. It's been a great half an hour. Yeah, all the best as you uh, continue to advocate for women in the industry. Thank you very much. Thanks again to John Deere for sponsoring this month's podcast. As the worldwide leader in forestry, John Deere is best positioned to give loggers an advantage through comprehensive machines, innovative technology, captive financing, and dependable support. The obstacles to success are many. Outrun them all with the number one company in the woods. John Deere, a proud supporter of women in forestry. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the CFI podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode.